2: I have had run-ins, I think, don't buy, don't buy. I don't want to really talk about I've just got to hold my hands up and say, one big mistake. I've just come to apologise, and that was Southgate. He's footing on a plane. I thought, that's red. Now, nobody else had seen him. I thought, I'm backing away. I'm coming forward. Give the penalty, and then, you know, hindsight's great. Looking at it again, I should same him off. But I think the toughest man he's got have been Ferguson, his time. It was Wigan. Wigan was my bogey team in the day. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the 442 podcast. Today, Liam...
3: We've got a belter, we've got Phil Dode. Just to let everyone know I've got that right, cos they have been calling him Ken. Dodd. Dodd. <laughs> and that's not being uh, disrespectful, that's just me being stupid. But, Phil, over 17 years as a referee, 308 games in the Premiership, he's dished out over a thousand yellow cards and 67 red cards.
2: 67. Not that many, really, is it? No, yellows is pretty good, though, isn't it? What's that average per game? Three? It could, could be. be you had a good day, Phil? Excellent. Golf was even better.
3: I have got absolutely annihilated by Dad's army
2: of (laughs) Sineway. Dad's army. (coughs) 4-0. I think that might be a theme carrying on. Hopefully it does, Phil. Yeah, yeah, definitely.
3: Well, hopefully he doesn't have a good partner like yourself, because you started off with a bang. But, John...
4: Let me take you right back to the beginning. Starting off, young referee, Oh, I thought you were going golf then, John. Okay.
2: brilliant eight-hine to that green. <laughs> Talk us through it. Yeah, um, I really started in 84. Now, for those of you who are old enough to remember that, that was a miners' strike. I was working down the mines at a place called Old Colliery in Chesterton. Um, we'd gone on strike, Arthur Scargill and Maggie Thatcher. Uh, and I just saw a local advert in the paper, Referees Wanted, and that's where I started. Local Hanley and District League in Stoke-on-Trent.
4: Was it Was it first, or well, your first thought was it to make extra money?
2: It was, yeah. I think at that time it was about a tenner a game. And I'm thinking, Happy Days, at least I've got some money for some snapping when I get home, food. So it weren't like an ambition or want to be a ref? No, that just, I think that just progressed naturally. I just got better and better. Well, I thought I did. I just, you know, bit of luck here, managed to get through to the senior league and then move up through the leagues. Till eventually I got on the Football League line, I think I was 29. Right.
3: So you say you got up to the Football League. Was that an easy progression then? Was that helped or fast-tracked?
2: No, no, it was, uh, as again lucky, obviously the games went well and I think that enabled me to get on the line at 29. Do you remember your first game? On the line, I think it was Mansfield. And I think the local ref Jim Rushton was there referee on that game so that helped me as well so that'll be Mansfield's all grown that wasn't it the terraces was it still no, the same still, it's still it's the edge, same apart yeah. apart it just got the um, main stand Is yeah. it got yeah. me thinking Then, no, I remember being over the far side no, no spectators over there at the time neither I don't think and it's still the same now yeah how did that go down enjoy it yeah it went uh, well I think it went well uh, didn't seem to get any bad publicity so happy days bad publicity no social <laughs> media then were there no no I know you started out initially right, to
4: make extra money and to go, but when, did, when was the seed planted? When did you really take it on board that, yeah, I want to be a top referee?
2: I think um, it wasn't until probably I got on the, at the time of the conference, which is now the National League. National League. So I got on the conference running the line and then that time as you progressed, you, you went as a referee and still stayed on the line on the Football League. Now you've got a choice to make whether you want to be a referee or a linesman. So, sorry, assistant referee. So, you can make that choice earlier on and follow that path through is your career. I had the choice of being an assistant and on the Football League and refereeing on the conference as well, in the the old Central League. So, you've made,
4: obviously, the assistant referee. Yeah. What were you, five years in the Football League?
2: Yeah, roughly, yeah, on the line and then I got to the 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 middle.
4: Then you got to the middle. Did that really pique the interest? Within, was the goal then Premier League?
2: Uh, not, not at the time. I think, you know, I just thought to myself, I'm lucky to get this far. There's people who would love to be in my position. So um, for me, it was just the next step. And, you know, I never even thought about the Premier League. At that time, some really, really good referees who so probably thought, you know, I'd reach my level. Again, luck changed that. I think uh, one of the top men come and watch me and then eventually we went professional in 2000, 2001, I think it was, with 24 referees. I mean, we were professional before. I should say we went full-time. And uh, then the journey started even
3: more. So when you got the step up from liner to the main man in the middle, yeah, you'd be professional then, but would that still be part-time?
2: No, we were full-time. Full-time then? From 2000, 2001, we were full-time. Right. So that meant... You know, change of lifestyle completely. Would do be like fitness tests then? Oh, yeah. Um, when I first started on the Football League, we used to have the old bleep test, which yeah. 10-4, I think was the pass, or 10-2. Now, and then it went up to something like 13. So over the years, you know, it got harder and harder. And of course, as you get older, it gets harder and harder still. Mm. And now they've got all different tests. They've got the, the old Cooper test running around the track. And now I think it's 150 metres and so long. With 50 metres walk times 40. So it gets harder and harder. I struggled, obviously.
4: Well, and obviously, Phil, as well. I mean, I, I, you said as you get older, the recovery takes longer. Yeah. N- little niggly injuries, no different to a player. You know, wear and tear injuries and everything else. It, it becomes preparation's key, isn't it?
2: Yeah, I was, I've got to be honest, uh, my downfall was food and just to carry quite a bit around the old stomach and get a bit of stick for it. But I can honestly say throughout my career, I always give 100% weight wise when I was on the pitch. You know, I'd, I'd got to give 100% where probably some, of was a bit, some people were a bit slimmer. 80%, you know, was my 100%. So really, I only had myself to blame for the food and never drank. Not been a big drinker, never been a big drinker. But just like my food and chocolate, that was my downfall.
3: I think we all had a bit of chocolate, <laughs> don't we, John? When you wanted to tell me about chocolate then. <laughs> Phil saw in the middle do you remember your first sending off
2: yeah I remember my first game I think it was December the 5th or 8th something like that it was early December if I remember right it was Fulham Everton we're talking about Premier League or football league. no just football league when you made the step up I can't remember my first sending off in the football league but I can remember it in the Premier League
3: was that nerve wracking knowing what you were going to do
2: well it was your first game and you always want to make a good impression your first game you know, because you know your first game in the Prem it's like are oh, you good enough to make it I think you believe in yourself, but until you've actually done it, you don't know whether that step-up's a big step-up. And, yeah, I worked hard that day and uh, ended up saying, sending a... I think it was a Fulham player off. I can't remember if it was Everton as well, but I definitely remember the Fulham player going. Well, you've started now Premier
4: League football. You've ended up refereeing four major finals. Yeah. You've done a League Cup final, you've done a, an FA Cup final, you've done a Charity Shield final, and you've yeah. done a, a Championship playoff final. I mean, that's an achievement in itself to make four major finals at Wembley.
2: Yeah, I think at the start of my career, and if somebody said to me this is what you'll do, I'd at time and thought, you know, you you've had too many to drink. But as you get on, I think that's the goal is you put yourself for, I want to do an FA Cup final. That was my goal once I got on the Premier League. I want to do an FA Cup final and I was fortunate to do one. League Cup final, I want to do that and I thought, right, can I do all the domestic what we call the domestic finals? Then that'd be a pretty good career, I thought.
4: You look at it. So, <clears throat> take me through FA Cup final. What's the preparation? A couple of days before, week before, day before. Run us through what your what your lead up is.
2: You get a phone call a couple of weeks before to say, you know, I'd like, I'd like you to do the FA Cup final, which in itself's a phone call you've always wanted. Um, so when you get that phone call, you're jumping up and down, but you can't tell anybody for a couple of days because they've got to release it to the press. So you tell your family, and that's it. And then when it comes out, everybody ringing up congratulating you. But I think you know probably a couple of weeks before you must be in the running if you're doing well that season, and if your home team's not there, you think I've got a chance here. Then when the phone call come, I looked at the number. I thought this is it. I hope. And when it come, I was uh, pretty happy. Obviously jumping up and down a bit. You know, I've, I've got one of my goals out of the way. Uh, the preparation for it was, it wasn't like any other game and, and the FA Cup for me still holds, you know, one of the big showpiece finals in this country. I enjoyed doing it and a couple of days before the game, me and the missus got ready, we went down the day before the game to London, stopped in a hotel close to Wembley. I won't mention the hotel in case other people want to go and take a look at it. Um, um we went to the ground the day before, Our wives come with us, they had a loop round, just to try and get you yeah, comfortable in the surroundings. Just acclimatise. Yeah, I think if you've never been to Wembley before, it's a pretty awesome place. Yeah.
3: Is this all the team? Yeah, liners, everybody, is liners, everybody so there you, with you, the family. it's so like team? a big
2: family, yeah. stopping. you know, we have a meal before, then go to Wembley and the my wives might go shopping as they normally do. Uh, the night time, we all have, we'll have a meal together. We, we talk a bit about the football game. But then the next day is a big preparation for us. We get up early and have a breakfast. I think mine kicked off about quarter past five in, in the afternoon, so it would give us a bit more time to go through a few things. We'll meet up for breakfast. Wife's probably come down, but then we'll go and talk about the game itself to be mentally prepared and everything else. Just um, sorry, sorry, John, I was just curious being a lad. So you're all in the
3: hotel the night before? Yeah. I have no idea if refs do it, but are you allowed to drink? No,
2: we don't drink before. Is that like just, a
3: contracting or... No, it's... Or is uh, it just
2: professionalism? I think it's professionalism. You don't drink before a game or even probably two or three days before a game. You're going in, you want to do a good job. So you're on water, orange, coke, whatever, but we don't have any alcohol at all. Not even wine with the meal. You
0: know,
2: when you, that
4: alone brings a pressure, though, Liam, because you, you look at it, it's watched all around the world. Yeah, Hundreds of millions of people watching the game. You want to do your best, so your preparation's key, isn't it? I suppose um,
3: if you have a picture of you... With a pint the night before, it was a bad decision. It's all going one way,
2: isn't it? Oh, yeah, down back. See, we're in a, don't get me wrong, in the hotel, we're in a room on his own, there's nobody with us. But even if somebody's walking past and there's wine going in there, it just does not look right. And for me, I would never do it anyway.
4: And the first thing nowadays would be a picture on the phone. All of a sudden, it's going round the newspapers, and we know how the press twists things anyway, so it would be a
2: nightmare. Yeah, there's a story there to be found, isn't it? And they'll just, they'll find one whether you've had a good game or a bad game. This is what, how the referees prepare, even though he's had a good game. Just going to drop you back.
3: So you're on the line, maybe in the Football League. You've got back in the middle, of the main man. Scurriest groan, or the first grounds where you started hearing the naughty chance, should I say. <sighs> is there a groan where you dread going, where you've always got dogs of abuse, really? <laughs> or you could a, hear it more? That
2: was all of them, I think. <laughs> there is grounds which I'll say are intimidating but the more experience you get and I think it's probably like a player like you John you go and think blooming in, come I me mean, you know it is quite intimidating then once you get in the action yeah. you, you just everything just goes away you're just concentrating on that moment you know you, you've heard of the like Millwall the old den and that like that people say have you, you been intim- have you done that I've done Millwall's, Millwall's new ground, and yeah it was intimidating but as soon as the whistle goes that's it you're focused tunnel vision so you know in Sometimes you know the, the bigger grounds they might be having a go at you, but you don't hear because it it's all muffled sound when you're in the middle, and you're concent- concentrating that hard to make sure you do everything. You don't hear it. It's when you get to the little grounds you can hear the. Can you actually hear a oh, One man and his dogs probably the worst. Is that right? To, like you oh, can yeah. Hear? oh yeah. Oh yeah. You'd be you know someone be taking a throw and then they'll have the odd comment towards the referee. Do you remember so, any grounds what you could hear? And any comments, um, or you try and forget about I them? I try and forget about them, but there is definitely somewhere you go and you hear the old bloke shout something at you and you start giggling to yourself inside, you know, because even though he's having a go at you, you know, it's funny what he's saying. In
4: your own head, subconsciously, there must have been grounds where you didn't look forward to going to. Yeah. And the, uh, consequently, grounds you went to that you really did look forward to.
2: It wasn't a ground, it was more a team. You know, so if the team was playing away, or um, and I'll give you an example, it was Wigan. Wigan was my bogey team in the day. Didn't matter how hard I tried, I could never get anything right. And I think I've told you this story before. Paul Jewell was the manager. Didn't matter what I did, I was trying, trying. Even to the stage where the night before, you've done a lot more prep before the game. I want to get this right. And the harder I tried, the worse it got. I, I was just terrible for Wigan in them days. I'll be honest.
3: I'd say that's like golf, though. Once you're around playing, it's not going right. You're trying harder and
2: harder. And it gets Nobody worse. Gets. And it goes <laughs> worse, of
4: course it does. I think that's in general. That's not just golf or football, that's anything.
2: And in the end, I just said to myself, I was going to Wigan one day and I thought, oh, the crowd always... They weren't as bad at Wigan, they'd give you it, but coming off, there used to be two gentlemen above the tunnel and I always remember, used to shout my name, and give me some stick, and I just didn't buy it to them. And uh, I just went one day and thought, you know, I'm going to relax. I'm going to go out and enjoy it. What will be, will be. And I come off and had a good game. When I come off, I remember these two blokes going, well done. I thought, oh, well, at least I've <laughs> kept them quiet for the day. <laughs> do you
4: think that's the, old, you can overthink things at times and then uh, probably be too much pressure on yourself?
2: I think you do. I think as you're, you're right. The harder you try, yeah. people don't see that. You see you getting worse. And inside you're thinking, I've got to get there. So I think actually getting there, close your vision down so you don't actually stand back and go, whoa, in a minute, I'm, I'm going to open up a lot more. So, we've talked about Paul Jewell there briefly. And,
4: yeah. And, you know, I know I've seen Paul, I've worked with Paul, and, and you know, Paul could be in your face. He can, he oh, can be nipping at you and, and be moaning about decisions, as all managers do. Who was your toughest manager to get along with?
2: I think that, are we talking Premier League? It's got to be not, I think I got along with all of them in my own way, but I think the toughest manager's got to have been Ferguson his time. Alex, or Sir Alex, should I say. Sir Alex, yeah, because, I don't know, he he should have been a psychologist because he could always get in your head, couldn't he? So, Fergie time. That's never, never true. I remember being at Man United once as fourth official and I think it was Michael Oliver who was a referee and they they were playing Wigan, ironically. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's a good (laughs) point. I think it was nil-nil at half time and I think I'd put a minute up. And coming up the tunnel, I used to go up the tunnel, stand at the top of the tunnel, wait till the players come so you could see him coming to you. And I saw Fergie having a rant at Michael. Oh, how much time, all this? We'd only played a minute. I think because they were drawing, you know, we wanted more time to try and get the goal. So I never thought more of it. And then I think the second half, they went in the lead, quite comfortable winning. And I thought, this is payback time, this is. So we sent his assistant down to ask me how long. And I'd only got two minutes on the card. I said, uh, five minutes. He went, five, he says, tell him five minutes, I'll make his day. So uh, I could see him through the corner I came back when he told him five minutes, I'm so feet jumping up and down, having a dicky fit. And I thought, oh well, you know, I've got my own back. Then I went out, put two minutes upon the board, turned around, had a little smile, and he, he, he gave me some expletives, but saw the funny side of it.
4: So the opposite to what he was
2: normally, normally he's asking for the five. <laughs> yeah, he, wanted, this time, he less. Yeah. wanted less. he wanted less because he was winning. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Did yeah. he get in your heads? I, for me personally, I used to say to myself, don't let him get in my head. Don't let him get in my head. Me but saying, he has if you were saying that. Exactly. Yeah. Me saying that meant he was already in my head. So the first decision, if it went for Man United, he just went, he's in my head. And that's what, you know, you'd think, don't let him get in my head and he was in my head. And subconsciously, the first decision went for Man United, I went, he's in my bloody head. Yeah. Look, looking back at it, it was a decision for Man United, but it was one of them where you go, could have probably got away with that. You know, and just think to yourself you know, mind games he plays. That's why I said he should have been a psychologist. But he
3: weren't referees he just did that with, did he? No.
4: I wow. mean, he, that's why, like you just said, he was the best um, and the best at his job in all aspects of it. But you look at it, you could imagine you were a bit more experienced then. Yeah. How would you feel being a young referee, just coming on board and, and obviously walking into Old Trafford initially anyway, it's intimidating. <laughs> yeah. So you look at it and as a... As a young referee now, coming face-to-face with Sir Alex and knowing the pressure he puts you under.
2: I think one thing is they're lucky out because they've got their own sports psychologists now, so they can talk to people. So refs have got a Oh, yeah, now. yeah. They're the same as players have got sports psychologists, they've got a fitness coach, you know, they've got Dietitians. everything behind and yeah, Dietitians yeah. Is a lot, which are really good. So if you've got any issues, you can go to the sports psychologist and he'll take you to one side and give you a session on that. And don't get me wrong, I had a few sessions, a few anger management sessions.
3: Just dropping you back again about Wigan, Yeah. Probably, it sounds like you had, a, not anxiety, but during the effort process, like, I want to do well here, I'm always yeah. doing but Would you have had anyone to talk to back in the day then, saying, Luke, every time I go Wigan, I'm trying my best, but I'm just not giving my best
2: and I'm trying my hardest? I think, yeah, with it, with it being early on in the professional things, we had a, a guy called Craig Mahoney was with us, then we had Ian uh, Mainyard, and we've got Paul and Liam. And I used, I always used to speak to Liam, young lad, and used to find I could, on the same level, and get on with him. So if I had any issues, I think at the time, I think it might have been Ian who spoke to me about a couple of things. So if I'd got anything, I'd go there, and they'd give me, try and... I think talking to somebody completely neutral mm-hmm. gets it out, and you can actually say things to them you probably wouldn't say to somebody else. You know, and people say, I'd talk to your wife, but... They the don't. Know, no, you, it's, it's, you still hold stuff back, but yeah. with them I could just let it all go and they would help me through whatever problems I was having. And I had a few throughout my career.
4: Well, obviously, I mean, mental health is a huge yeah. issue these days. Yeah. And did you ever feel that, obviously going to speak to somebody obviously helps get it off your chest, it helps you, probably the recovery process, you know what I mean, when you're feeling a bit down or whatever, were you ever taken out of games for a, for a period... Through that?
2: No, no, because whatever I said to the sports psychologist between me and him, unless it was detriment to the Premier League, then he would never say anything to anybody else. And <sighs> it's easy to say now that use a sports psychologist, but if you asked me 20 years ago, I would never have admitted it to you. You were talking to a friend? Yeah. I don't think anybody would know felt that. Because I, I know things were different, and it's good mm. that we've all opened up and can talk to people. I think still there's a bit of stigma still now, I think, yeah. You know, but if you need to talk to somebody, just talk to them. You know, sports psychologists are great. If you don't want to speak to somebody, your friends, you can always f- pick up the phone and find somebody who's going to help Absolutely. you. And for me, that was the big turning point. Being an ex-minor, it was like, you know, don't cry, just get on with it.
4: A man doesn't cry, a man doesn't open up, a man doesn't moan, yeah. he just gets on with things.
2: You know, you know, women can cry and that, but a yeah. man can't. But now it's, I think it's completely changed. And I think it has helped people. Without doubt. And I think it's a good thing now that men can go and talk to somebody without having a problem. So if you were
4: affected and you spoke to the sports psychologist... Yeah. Was a protocol in place that if he felt you were affected that you might needed a break from it, would he then go and recommend to the referees or did it?
2: I think think the good thing with the sports psychologist is he'd say, what about this, what about that? But he would never do nothing behind me back. So that's why we've got this trust where I could tell him stuff, and then he'd say to me, have you ever thought about this? Do you think you need a rest? And if I'd said, yes, I need a rest, then obviously he'd said, look, you need a couple of weeks off. But even then you were thinking to yourself, am I just being... Soft. Soft, sorry, yeah, yeah soft, better word, instead of, you know, just get on with it, grimace and get on with it. But I think sometimes we all need a rest. We all need a break from break. something to help us through or somebody to talk to, and that was a good thing for me. Talking to Liam, had me chats. When I got injured even come down to Biddle, where I live and help me through my injury. I never got back, but at least I've got somebody to talk to. You're
4: talking about not getting back. That was the final year when you were injured yeah, yeah, pretty much yeah. for the season, wasn't
2: yeah. it? Yeah. I it tr- gave me 12 months to get back, which was a great time. Um, at the time I didn't know my meniscus gone. I was I was having trouble even sprinting like just thinking what's up. I was like jogging along. And I think that's when unknown to me is probably our first tag, you know, was on the way to Parkinson's but I didn't know it at the time. I think that was the first, probably, signs that... Oh, the were warning right. signs, the yeah, first yeah, warning yeah.
4: signs of the body,
2: kind of yeah, giving up. Yeah, it's time to eight, do something else.
3: Just going to bring you back to something you said about the final leading up to it, it wasn't your team. Does that mean referees have got to, I want to expose your team? You've got to let people know who's
2: your football team? Yes, yeah. Um, living in Stoke, I can never do Stoke because they're too close. Stoke are probably my second team. Port Vale and my first team, so I could never referee Port Vale and they're only de- just down the road anyway. So you, and a, Plus, also, if you've got any family who've got season tickets say a club, you have to let them know that because obviously there's... So if you've got family,
3: got a season ticket, at Everton, you can't ref...
2: No, I'd have to put that forward and say, look, my son or my wife's got a season ticket at Everton, so straight away. I think that's just for the integrity of the competition. So any affiliation whatsoever? Yeah, anything, yeah. Right? Just Far imagine
3: then... FA Cup final Yeah, you're having the season of your life the final Storpe be Port Vale that's you out of the then isn't it now yeah, I'd be
2: there when I watch <laughs> <laughs>
3: and enjoy the be, better yeah, yeah. probably yeah. no
2: pressure yeah I'm that's good, never going to happen though Liam is i ask
3: you a good in here I think that it's something what fans won't have a clue I don't know what you're going to tell me now but back in the premiership yeah talk me through a day I'm giving it, let me, so you're from Store, you're playing Spurs away. Okay. What happens, what goes on?
2: First of all, at that time, I used to hate stopping overnight. Never sleep in a hotel bed. I always liked to be in my home. So Spurs was probably just outside my comfort zone. Fixers would come through on a Monday. I'd look where I was and say, right, I need a hotel the Friday night for a Saturday game or Saturday for a Sunday game. So I'd ring a company up who they were affiliated to. They'd be in the hotel. So I knew where I was stopping, come through, confirmation booking, such and such hotel. So on the Friday night, I'd travel down, probably about four or five o'clock when the traffic's getting a bit lighter, make it comfortable, get in the hotel. There might be, I think now they all got to be together the night before at the time. Is this can,
3: assistant? Assistant, fourth official. official. you all together now the night before, right, okay.
2: Yeah. At my time, you didn't have to be. So if you were living close to, to Tottenham, you could come the day, the day of the game because it was only probably... 40 minutes for someone, but now I think you've all got to be together the night before. So we used to do that, have breakfast together in the morning. Don't get me wrong, I've had some breakfast on my own where there's been no other assistance. You no know, meal for one at night with me mates, myself, and a meal, breakfast on your own. Um we used to meet up in a room at the hotel, probably game was three o'clock, I think about eleven, have an hour, get picked up at twelve by a people carry, so we were all together again, then transported to Tottenham. Right. Uh, Tottenham's pretty good because you come straight out of the people carry straight into the at the time straight into the reception area. So we were together before. Get to the ground roughly, probably a two hours before. So you've got plenty of time. Go and have a cup of tea, take in everything, make sure everything's right. You know, you just have your set your watches to so make sure you know the goal scoring watches etc. Make sure your communication was working because some grounds had a bit of trouble at the time. I don't think they do now. Have your cup of tea, make sure the colours were right, make sure you know, the colours that you have been told were correct, that there was no clashes, and then uh, go and have your cup of tea. No food laid on? No, oh, no yeah, food. they used to give you a bit of food. But you'd already eaten in the hotel before, and some of the lads used to bring their own. Probably the lads who were a bit farther advanced, you know, used to bring their own nutrition drinks, etc, etc.
3: So would this be like in a referee's room, or would you be up in a boardroom, a fan no, zone?
2: No, a you'd... Tottenham used to be in a, like, it was a bit of like a boardroom. You know, you're away from the normal fans, but there was people in there who didn't used to bother you. You used to have a cup of tea or a drink. They used to put a plate of sandwiches on there, which was good, and then uh, you could go down when you were ready to go down to get changed. So, different grounds, you
3: get treated a tad different, what I say? Um, You might be better sandwiches, better cups of tea, better better cups of coffee, more comfortable conditions.
2: As a referee, that never used to bother me because... Or I used to go someplace, used to lay on a meal for your guests. That I went interesting my guests. My main job was to do that game and bring it to the best conclusion I could. So what I used to do was just to take my own drinks, you know, there'd be drinks in the changing room, Lucas Aid. You'd already eaten at breakfast and I wasn't a big one for eating at twelve.
3: So Wonder there's nowhere then clubs can like not swear yeah. your mind, but treat you a little bit better, where they give you a few. I think look after your friends because probably would do that if you're a club,
4: wouldn't you? Yeah, but it's levels as well. Yeah. Because I think you look at levels. Obviously, get to Premier League level, most of the stadiums are newish. Yeah. The facilities are out of this world. So is the food. So is the the welcome. Everything else is top notch. Whereas you go down the leagues. It's different. You've got a little pokey dressing room. You've got there's less rooms available yeah, to go and, to, and sit. sit in. Down, yeah. Do you know? So there's there's plenty of things in there you've got to accept. But you know going there, what it's going to be like. You're used to it. You've been round, yeah, and, and that's
2: it. And I used to love going to the Berries places like that. Got nothing, to give you everything. You know, just just a welcome. Are you all right? Is there anything we can do for you? No, we don't want anything. Sitting at Berry used to sit in that. Ream overlooking the pitch, I think yep. you know what I mean. Where, was it like, uh, I wouldn't say a conservatory,
3: where like... Yes. Yeah, places. yeah, right, yeah. Yes, we yeah. Uh, oh, I like was, a really, yeah. I wouldn't say botched up, but I would say like, just... Yeah, but it was but it's good. Someone had some windows and they just put them in, yeah, basically, so, yeah. didn't yeah.
2: they? I mean, it takes you nothing to be polite, and that's what I liked. If people were polite, how are you doing? You know, and you would it back to them. You didn't, like, just diss them. So for me, that was the thing. People polite, do you a cup of tea? That's all I needed, a cup of tea.
3: So back at Tottenham, you've refereed the game. Yeah. Gone well or it's yeah. not gone
2: well what happens is it? Get changed you used to have a debrief from what we call the Observer then you used to come in and then you have, have a match delegate I think the old match delegates in the time with Mick Okay. Paul Allen mm-hmm. people like that they, they give you a player's perspective on the game and you know they used to come in and say to you well on the 17th minute I thought it was a penalty I've so look at it again You probably already looked at it on the screen like, but we were telling you that you know and you, you from his perspective where he'd gone wrong and then you, you used to we used to have to fill in a match thing on the... what We've got a thing called MOAS TV, where you go back over your game and you've got somebody who's gone through it from minute one to minute 90. This throw-in was wrong. This this should have been a yellow... So you had to fill in your comments and you were actually then looking at the game again from a referee perspective as well. What could I do better? So, and then that was it. So when I matched it, how many people
3: is there then? Obviously, you've got yourself, two liners, fourth official.
2: That was in the changing room. Then you've got... Um, if we had a coach, the coach would come to the game. My coach was Keren Barrett. Um, and then you'd have a match, what they called a match delegate, who was, who have just said, Mick McGuire, Paul Allen. There was a few others at the time. I think Steve Watson was one for a time. They used to come in as well after the game. Six, we'll it's before. a team of
3: six, isn't it? So you've got more pressure of people watching, and never mind the crowd. You've got the pressure. I think...
4: Just going by what you said there, Phil, it's an added pressure.
3: Knowing that people are
4: reviewing it, knowing that you've got to sit yeah. down and then critique yourself as well after yeah. the game, that brings a pressure in itself.
2: Yeah, of course. that I've got to be honest, that thing never bothered me. No? The thing that bothered me most is make sure I got the big decisions right on the day because I, I used to be told if there was forty or 50,000 people there, I used to know if I'd got one wrong because they used to let you know. The players used to let you know as well. Yeah. You know, if you've got one wrong and that for me, as long as I got all the big decisions right. A little free kick we could argue about is it free kick, is it not? That's opinion. But the big decision, was it a penalty? Yeah, I can see why you've done that. Etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. So you used to go through that and think to yourself, as long as I get the big decisions right, I'm happy. And don't get me wrong, I've got a few big decisions wrong. I've got a good one for you. Worst player to referee. Worst. Could be for nasty or his mo for what? I wouldn't say there was any really, really bad ones, but there's people you knew you were going to have a battle with for 90 minutes. Go on. I'm talking about Craig Bellamy. I remember watching him at a game, and he gave the young referee, a, I want to say dog's abuse, he was in his ear for 90 minutes. And I just couldn't understand why every decision in his ear, in his ear. So I remember speaking to him after the game, he was at Man City, and I said, can I ask you a question? He says, yeah, of course you can. He says, why are you at the referee for 90 minutes? He said, if I can get one decision, I've done my job. i Okay, so a few weeks or a month later I was refereeing and he was having a go. I turned and I said, you won't get in my head today, you're not getting nothing. And just walked away, just like... Because he, he told me what his job was to get me. So you just shut him out then. Yeah, but to, to be fair though, Phil, I,
4: I, I go the other way there because I think the more I nip at you, the more
2: I go at you, the less likelihood I'm going to get anything. You're probably right because I think subconsciously you just go, "Yeah, you're getting on my nerves. You don't mean to do it. Probably a 50-50 foul, you'll give it one way against that player, knowing that he's going to get up and have another go.
4: I think if I'm nice to you and I show you a bit more respect, I'm more likely to get a decision. When it's, Maybe it's a, a 50-50 decision, yeah. I'm more likely to get it in my favour.
2: I think I think that's human nature. When you're being treated right, you treat other people exactly. right. Exactly. When people start having a go, you tend to go the opposite way. Not on purpose. Don't get me wrong, I never give a decision just to piece somebody off. It was a decision where it was 50-50, thought, right, that way, and I look at you and you've gone, thank you very much. Yeah. Where you go I knew you'd won that battle I suppose that's a bit of psychology of you as well isn't it yeah but again I'm going to pay you more
4: respect further down yeah. the line as well because of that so it, and it's a two way street you know? yeah
2: I'd pay you more respect because I know if I give one against you and you go what was that mm-hmm. for and I'll go to you I might have got that wrong John and
4: that's not just player side that's managerial yeah. side yeah. as well
2: yeah definitely
4: so you've touched on getting the big decisions right
2: yeah
4: tell me the biggest decision you've got wrong <sighs>
2: I couldn't rem- <laughs> I've always talked about this and it's like I always remember my bad games. I don't know why. Is that because again we're talking psychology, is that because I don't want to be in that position again? Ask me my good games, and I'd probably take me a while to answer but my bad games. I did the cup final, um, talking about a big game domestic, it was Villa V, Man United in the first few minutes, Vidic fouled at Bon Lahore. Give the penalty and then you know, hindsight's great, looking at it again, it's just sent him off. So, you know, I remember that decision and think to myself, that's spoiled the day for me, but it still does. Even now, people ask me about that, and I don't want to really talk about it. I've just got to hold my hands up and say one big mistake.
4: Do you think because it was so early in the game, it was five minutes in, do you think that maybe swayed your decision, thinking, you know, we've got 85 minutes to play here, I'll give him an, an opportunity?
2: I, I don't know whether it did, but it doesn't matter whether it's the first minute or the last minute to me now, John. I should have set him off. And I've got to say to myself, was I switched on? Like a player, were you switched on? Or were you just getting into the game? You know, I keep asking me say, the same question. Because one of my assistants helped me, could me forth, But I can't go blaming them. I've got to tell yeah.
0: Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music. For all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com/newsadfree. That's amazon.com/newsadfree to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier.
2: You know, Villa fans s- still now, and I'm pretty sure some of the questions off Villa fans have been asking, what about this, what about that? And it, that hates more than anything. My good games, you know, I've got my me medals on a shelf and I walk past them, but when I see that Villa one, that's the one that sticks with me the most.
4: Or subconsciously, where you may be thinking, Sir Alex, I've got to face him. No.
2: No. no. As we said before, once you're out, you're focused. You don't, Everything else is outside. And it was just one of them decisions where, if I could have time back, I would do differently.
4: And I suppose from the Villa point of view, winning one yeah. nil, Man United come back to win two one, you know, with ten men for eighty five minutes, it would have been a different game. I suppose.
2: Well, yeah, we hope you know we, we say that, but we're not hundred no. percent It Could have been that Man United actually stepped up even more. You know what it's like yourself yep. playing with ten men. They seem to have an extra two one when they're playing with ten. Men. Everybody steps up. But no, it was a, a game that I didn't. I enjoyed the game for, because I didn't know at the time I'd got it wrong. But after, in hindsight, and obviously we used to talk about the players, uh, Mr. O'Neill let me know at half time I'd got it wrong and at full time, and it spoiled the day. And if I could re ref that, that's one game I'd probably go back and re ref. There has been others' decisions, but that big one game. Could I take you back to a game? Oh, no. <laughs> Don't tell me. I, could I
4: take you back to the 97-98 season, Bol- Premier League? Bolton Wanderers-Everton. Bolton Wanderers-Everton. Night game. first game... At the Reebok. At the Reebok Stadium. They're then called Reebok Stadium, where we had played the first, I think first four or five games away from home because the stadium wasn't ready. So a big event, first game at home... Great occasion. You're building him up here, John. <laughs> I think there was a certain referee on the line. That was me. Was it? That was me, John, yeah. Jerry Tagger Header. Was up like a salmon. Heder. Bullet header.
2: Top um, no. left-hand corner. Bottom left-hand yeah. corner. Yeah, bottom left.
4: Probably a yard over the line. About that
2: far, yeah.
4: A yard, I'm, I'm a fisherman. Okay. Uh, but well over the
2: line. Yeah. Who was on that line? You know, I've really been thinking about this. I knew this question was going to come up and I can't remember his name, but it was Ken Dodd. Me. It was Ken Dodd, yeah. <laughs> that's, he wants to be called Ken Dodd, though. Uh, no, I, but, that's, that's another decision. Again, you talk about, I remember that. Yeah. And again, it was a mistake I made. Mm-hmm. On the day, I didn't, honestly, honestly, didn't see anything. Didn't even see the ball. It was like, <laughs> I remember going home thinking it had all gone right. Um, I don't think we had, te- did you know on the day it was over the line? Say again, sorry? Did you know on the day? Was
4: oh, it we it? knew. I was standing on the goalkeeper at the time. and well, I
2: should have been a foul then if you're standing on the keeper. <laughs> not standing on oh. the <laughs> Uh Trying to get me out of jail. But then. no, but
4: I mean, even to this day, and I'm not trying to make you feel no. bad about it or anything else, but to this day, we had a dinner a couple of months ago. It was actually a 25-year anniversary of moving to this day. Yeah. And I didn't get an invite, John. I wonder why. I <laughs> but uh, he still agrees, Big Jerry. And quite right, rightly, right. I mean, in his eyes... Go down in history as the first goal scorer at the Reebok Stadium, number one. And more importantly, for the club, that would have kept us up that so season.
2: How many games were is it? Five games. So I'm getting blamed for another 20-odd games. No, no, that. not at all. But you know yourself. Yeah, know you. What do what
4: people I, say at the end of the season? I'm not, I'm,
2: that's another one that sticks with me. We talked about that one. And I, I was hoping you weren't going to bring this up. But now you have. remember being on the line. It was one of them days. First, I remember Uriah Rennie was fourth official. Mm-hmm. I'd actually broke my flag, so we bought a new flag across. Remember that vividly. But this, I thought, well, that's never over the line. I think Steve Lodge was the ref, if I remember right. I might have been wrong. And after the game come off, we said, oh, you've missed a ball over the line. I thought, I'm seeing a ball over the line. Anyway, the next day, I'm working still at the time because I'm on the line. The Sun newspaper back page, the ball is this far out, this far over. And I'm thinking, oh, no. You know, it's something... You just feel like somebody's kicked you in the gut and mm. think, oh, you know, this is obviously... Would have been, I think you would have won that game, wouldn't you remember? 1-0. So stayed up. That stayed with me Bonus. for a while. And then uh, the ironic thing is, Everton were playing at home against... Wimbledon. Was it Wimbledon? Last, yeah, game, it last season. game of the season. I think, did Wimbledon go in front? 3-1, I think.
3: No, I ended up 2-2. But, yeah, I, th- I
2: can't remember the score. And I'm on the line. And Everton stayed up coming off the I remember running down to the tunnel and people fans on the pitch because they've stayed up then I hear Bolton go down and, and I straight away I think back to that decision and like you say that one decision cost us cost you your premiership
4: and a lot of money did we go down a on goal difference Ken's <laughs> <laughs> didn't go and hold you that
2: year oh Nothing. thanks John and you know
3: that's I remember yeah, the bad thing you remember being at the end of the day aren't you? Let's, let's have a Bolton it. for me now it's like but did you have a staying up bonus if we would have stayed up that Absolutely. year John
4: Quite a considerable sum of money, as I might add, as well. Did you get it? No, we didn't, obviously. We got relegated. Anyway, Phil, that's not an issue anymore. (laughs) But uh, no, seriously. I mean, it's like you said earlier on. And I I know it's easy to go back and say, that game cost us. But like you said, we had another 30 games in there that we could have done uh, better with.
2: We say that as referees, but we know we've made a mistake. It's like like anything. You've made that mistake. And again, as an assistant, I wish I could replay that. I I don't know whether I I was just... More focused again, you know. You're coming up there, big game, and you are like this. Are you that focused? As instead of yeah. you know, you're not actually looking at everything. You, I think you learn by your bad games more than you do your good games.
3: I'm gonna. I'm not gonna try and help you out here. I'm just gonna state something. Human being, you have a bad game. You got to just. You know what? You probably do not have a bad game. It's one decision. Well, that's John, bad game. but that's
4: what you're Did you from? miss a sitter yeah, so. that
3: season? I'm just asking. Is he's remembering bad games? I'm yeah. just saying you as a player. Yeah. Or do you remember Bolton missing any citizens in the games that season? No, because that's it. a human mistake as well, isn't it?
4: Yes, it is, Liam. But no, but I, I, I what know what Giple, you're saying. But I, I, listen, <laughs> I get it. I know what you're saying, but that's what you'll be remembered for. Yeah, of course it is. And it's that's, like... that's the, the thankless task of being a referee. I because... think yeah. And you
2: say it's like the Villa? The Villa fans have never forgiven me. I don't blame. I suppose if I was a Villa fan, I wouldn't forgive the referee. I see that as my chance of winning a League Cup. You know, I've made a mistake there and I've got to live with that until I die and I suppose I'll still get stick for it another 20 years if I'm still here.
3: But we've played golf for you today. We know, one, you're a great guy. Thank Two, you. you're very funny because you've done me like a kipper a few times. <laughs> it's very dry, I don't even know, but it's got a dry sense of humour, isn't it? So, but more importantly, you, you finished refing ages ago and yeah. these are still hurting you. Now, I'm going to think now... After the Villa game, more than anything, because that was high profile, could you walk around the streets
2: or could you go on holiday? Could you do your normal things? Yeah, I, I could because obviously I made sure I went anywhere near the Midlands. But where I live, we've we've got a pretty good community you know, and the lads always used to look after me and go out. And, you know, there's never anything said. There might have been a sly dig, but a bit more of a joke. And, you know, I just wanted to forget things like that. and Holidays... The main thing I've, when we went on holiday or when we went out for a meal is people come up and talk to you about football, yeah. and you must have it John, and you just want to go out with your wife, spend a bit of time with your wife. And this is not being horrible. That's when I see people now, and I, if I know him, I'll go. He's with his wife and kids. Leave him alone. Let him give him a bit of time. Yeah. You know, I just I just wanted time with the wife because when you were footballing, you were away for such a long time. It wasn't just like Saturday, Sunday. You'd be away training. So I used to put a cap on or a pair of glasses and. Especially if we are going somewhere we'd not been before. Don't get me wrong, if it was in the local pub, then you expect the lads to have a chat and do anything like that. But it was with the missus. I just want to be away from football.
4: And I suppose, depending on where you are, Phil, when you've got the hat on, you've got the glasses on, there's times maybe you see a group of lads and you think, God, I hope they don't recognise me. No, well, maybe you've got the kids there you as well. You must have had that as well. No, sorry. do you know what well, you do? Do you know? And, and maybe they've had a few, Beavis. a few shandies, and, and all of a sudden you're thinking, God, if they recognise me, I could be in for a bit of stick here. And I don't really want the family to be involved. No, yeah, to, you do. yeah. To see dad getting slaughtered if I'm honest
2: with you. I'd rather if I was on my own, I've got no issues. It can slaughter mm. me as much no, as all. If the kids and in fam- the misses there, yeah. I don't want them to hear that no. because I think it affects them as well, which is unfair. Best player you like to ref? Best. <sighs> there was a few. I've got to say the best player I've seen in Reft is probably Stevie Gerrard. And that, I say that because, I mean, we've had brilliant players, but he, he could tackle, he could score, he could pass. And he, most of all, I think he'd give you 100% every game he went out. He was a winner for me. Proper, yeah, proper leader. Professional. He? Yeah.
4: he was a proper leader of men.
2: There's other players who would got on with and people will say, Blooming, I think I mentioned Joey Barton before, absolute gentleman to me on a football pitch. Cross that white line and I knew he'd got, probably he was battling against still the eleven, but never had an issue with him. showed s- you respect? Yeah, a lot of respect. Like a rugby player? Shores, uh... Yeah, I never, all right, he might have said a few choice words, but never abusive. He was always asking in the right manner, and that's why I think I got on with him. Do you have any crack crap with any of the players? Uh, all the time, me. I was always having my dry banter, as you put it in there, giving me back, and I have got mm-hmm. no issues with that. If it stepped over the mark, they'd tell me and I'd tell them, you know, it's a bit too close to the bone. But we used to have quite a lot of banter, especially with the Bolton players. When I started to referee them and they, they'd forgive me a bit.
3: you know, <sighs> Nolans. Did you have the crap with
2: Kevin Nolan? Oh, he was a great lad. Absolutely great lad. Was that a mutual respect banter, like? Yeah, he used to give me loads. But I knew where it was coming from and I used to give him loads. And it would just banter. And I think it got him on my side a bit. If there was ever an issue, Kevin was a skipper as well. Yeah. He'd come back and, you know, give his 10 pence, but I knew he never held a grudge. I don't know what he's like now. I know he's at West Ham now, isn't he? I saw him as a manager at... Leighton and County, was it Notts County. Notts County. A passionate guy, really yeah. passionate guy. A lot of respect for well, him.
4: Well, he, he's no different now as a player. You know, as a yeah. player, he was really passionate and, again, a leader. And he'll be no different in his coaching and managerial career.
2: I remember Kevin and uh, being a skipper at Newcastle when they played Sunderland yep. and I know you've seen the picture so I'm going to bring it up before you do it's here <laughs> <'Cause>, uh, <laughs> uh, Newcastle Sunderland's always a fierce derby and uh, I went up there thinking right I've got to be strong because show any sign of weakness they're going to kill me then but... so I remember him coming in the changing room as he did before I don't think they do now and he said to him Look, don't come at me because he ain't going to back down or words to that effect you get as good as you give I can't remember the time after about first off. I saw Catamol running at me. I thought, normally you'd go like this and back away. I thought, I'm backing away. I'm coming forward. Best form of defence is attack. Same as in golf. So I come forward and Catamol's there like that. And it looks like I've put the nut on him. I didn't. we just come pretty close. And fortunately again, the sun caught the pictures where I'm coming forward. And talk about, we talk about management. The picture was there and I'm thinking, oh no. I was just thinking, did you get a bollocking for this? Yeah, I'm coming to that story now. I come down for breakfast because we're at a training camp a couple of days before, and Mike Riley, who, for me, is a great man manager, I'm sitting next to Bolton referee Mark Hulsey. I remember the, clearly, Mike comes through the door, got a paper in his hand, puts it down with a picture facing me, and I think, oh, no. I'm having it now. And Mark looks to me and says, that's not very professional. I said, I'll tell you what, Mark. I says, talk about my management for me that's the best thing he could have done because that's given me a kick up the backside he's virtually telling me that this is not acceptable so I see him coming back from his breakfast and I meet him thinking he won't notice me obviously he's put it there for a purpose he sits down he went I went yeah he says what would happen if Lee Catamull had gone down holding his head your creed been finished and me thinking I'm thinking to myself I didn't say this I'm thinking if he has gone down normally and you're in a fight, you make sure they stay down. <laughs> so, but I couldn't say that. I went, yeah, won't happen again. That was it, closed. And for me, that was the best thing he could have done. As a man manager, I thought it was great with me, the way he controlled me over the seasons. You know, just that little thing, just putting a paper front on me where other people have gone, throw it away. I just went, oh no, I'm, I'm having it now. And I think that's what you get from different managers, the different sense of how they manage people. And I got a lot of respect for him doing that. Had he taken me in a room and started on me, I think he knew as well I'd have started having to go back. And he wouldn't have got anywhere? No, but he'd done the job, gone, finished, done.
4: Well, I think he's shown you the respect there, hasn't he, as well? Because I would have think he would have had a bit of heat on him yes, as well, you know, with the press and the involvement and of everyone else. people above him, yeah. And people yeah. above him would be saying, listen, that's not on, you can't be doing yeah. that. So he's probably protected you. I've looked after you, I know, and known how to manage you. So I mean, that was. And like, that's why that I got no
2: respect for him. Yeah, because the way he did it.
3: John, I'm going to bring you in here. Back in the day, in the changing rooms, different characters, different managers need to be different with each player. Some people can have a bollock in. Um, is that actually true?
4: Absolutely. I mean, there's. Listen, you, you've got a squad of men there. Twenty odd players in your squad. Some you've got to put the arm round. Some need a kick up no. the backside every day. You know, some you've got to go toe-to-toe with them, you know, and tell them... That some take the truth, some don't like the truth. So you've got to find out quickly as a manager or as a coach who takes what, what works for them, what makes them tick. And it's no different to, to a referee. It's no different to anything in sport. You know, that's... You've got to find out what makes people tick because yeah. you've got to play to their strengths.
2: Well, you both did, today. Yeah, but that was... That was teamwork, wasn't it? Yeah, we, we, we knew what we both wanted. I can actually say that after the second, I said, we better give him a chance, and John went, no, let's do him. <laughs> if you're going to do something, do it right. There's <laughs> no <laughs> point giving away. Hey. I think that was my English mentality coming out, where we'll ease off when we're 6-0 up, where yours was, no, let's go for 10, yeah, let's really ten. finish and Definitely. I can, and you I sure think
3: were thinking, he's a nice lad, Liam, let's sleep up, and uh, John, we're going in for the yeah, kill. Yeah, but do
2: you know something? He's right. How many times as a team do we start slacking off, and then they come back into the game... Sorry. Once they're down, you've got to make sure they stay down. Cool. That's it. Keep putting six, seven, eight, nine. Don't feel sorry for them because nobody else will.
4: Just as well Lee Carmel didn't go down then.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right.
3: Right. It's, it's a funny one, this. I suppose there's never a best, but is there any red cards you're proud of or you got right and it's a big decision and you just thought, you know, that was a good decision?
2: I won't say I'm proud of any red card because I'd always wanted to go through my career putting no red cards up, but there's one that stands in my mind. It was Middlesbrough, Tottenham, Art of Tottenham. And I think it was Quadru who stamped uh, right on Right back or something, a Frenchman. I think it was Quadru. Now, I'm he went to Middlesbrough,
3: didn't he? Was he at Middlesbrough? Yeah, he was at Middlesbrough. He right, was Middlesbrough in Tottenham.
2: Yeah. Went down, put his... And he left his foot in on a play and I thought, that's red. Now, nobody else had seen it. It was just because I was happened to be close, probably from the last attack that was already there. So I red-carded him. I got abuse from the Middlesbrough. Tottenham were happy. Got abuse from the... Not abuse, but I got a lot of flack from the Middlesbrough back four. How oh, can you do this? How can you do that? And I'm thinking, you know, when you've seen something, then start thinking to yourself, "I've seen this wrong." Mm. You're questioning your decision. Of course, where you're thinking to yourself, "Well, everybody's having a go, but you know, and have I have I got this wrong?" Anyway, it kept going on and going on. This, the back four was digging at me all game, and it starts playing on your mind a bit. I thought, "I've got to shut this out because this is affecting my game." So I'd, obviously, I techniques off my psychologist, just you know, got the old elastic bands right, getting the moment.
3: Oh. oh, oh. Talk about that. Yeah.
2: Just don't leave that out. Elastic band. Well, what it is, I used to have a few anger issues, as you can see, when I was ref. It wasn't anger issues. I was just up for the game and passionate, and it'd come across as angry. So just said, well, when you like that, just get this elastic band. Snap, snap it. Snap it, and it just hits you, and it brings you back into the moment. So I'd, I'd gotten, if you ever saw me doing that, it wasn't, I was pulling you, it was like, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't stop. And it just brought me back in time to carry on for the game anyway, when I got home. I think it was Match of the Day. You always watch Match of the Day if you he thought you'd got things wrong or used to hide behind the city if things were going bad or not even bother to watch it. So I watched it and I went, do you know, I've got that right? And even the panel went, look, look at this from this angle. He's put his foot, it's a red card. And I didn't think of, then I was then I was fourth man at Aston Villa before obviously the cup final. And a gentleman knocked on the door. He was captain for Middlesbrough. He says, can I have a word? I said, can you wait? Because obviously, we've got our team. to speak to you after. Not being, I didn't want to come out of the R team tour just to speak to him because I thought it wasn't the right thing to do. So, anyway, in the tunnel after, uh, you wanted to wait. He says, Yeah, he said, I've just come to apologise. I said, Apologise? What for? He says, Luke, he says, I've The Quadru incident. He says, Red card. He says, Apologise. No need to apologise. I said, You know, things are said in the email. He says, No, he said, no. It was our order. And that was Southgate. Just say first that, time, yeah. first time anybody's ever apologised for. I was just going to say, would
4: that be the England manager?
2: Yeah, there? yeah, yeah. Which, but for me, was like, yeah, you I know, just don't math. Thanks very much. But I think it just shows what kind of character he is,
3: mm-hmm.
2: you know, to admit you got it wrong as well. Ever refting in Europe? No, unfortunately, I was too old at the time. At the, at the time, at 38, you had to be a FIFA referee. I gone to the Premier League at 35. If it had gone a couple of years early, I think I would have had the chance to referee in Europe. I went abroad and did European games as fourth official with Rilo, Horsey, Dino, Rennie. So that was good experience. Would that
3: be same again? You all travel together? Oh, yeah, and then we used to get a flight. I
2: think you'd have to be in the day before. So you could get a flight in the morning to make sure you were in that country the day before because I think you had to be in the day before the game. So you fly... Go to the stadium, have a loop round, you know, get the ambience and all that, and then go back to the hotel. And then the next day, you know, even some of the guys used to train the day before in the stadium or close to the stadium just to get everything out of the legs to be ready for the game. Any crazy grounds,
3: crazy experiences, crazy presidents?
2: Not really. I think the the one I went, I can't remember the name of the team, it was Kazakhstan. I went with a guy called Rob Stars, don't you remember him? Yeah, remember the name? Yeah, he was a referee and went to Kazakhstan. That was a four-day trip, it was that long. Right. Never been so tired normally. I've never been on a plane uh, in Kazakhstan flying from the top of the country down to the bottom. I Just describe it as a cattle truck. You know that time you weren't supposed to use phones. We're sitting there and every time, when we've landed, all the seats just went forward because there was nobody. And I thought, let me know. When I was sitting, there was a big thing next to the window. I said, what's this? That's the life raft. I thought, I could not pick it up. I thought, I'll try. I said, we've got no chance if this goes down. We weren't going over the sea at the time. Anyway, I was sitting there because we had this break while they refuelled the plane. So I'm <laughs> lying back thinking I need 10 minutes. I looked out of the window. and probably 30, 40 yards away. they got a smoke, well, not a smoking shelter. They're all sparked up. And I'm thinking, bloody hell, if this plane, the fumes, you know, we're going to be all opposite to Rob. I so I'm getting off. I said, so I'm going with them He said, you don't smoke? I said, I know, but I'm still standing with them. I said, this guy was up, we're in trouble. I said, look at him. Feeling up in, you know, this country would never, health and safety at that time over there was completely different.
3: The glory of a European trip. Oh, yeah.
2: (laughs) People think it's great, glamorous, but I didn't eat anything for four days because some of the food was horrible. I'm sorry, it wasn't horrible, but for my taste buds and everybody else's, it was just like, for them, it would have been normal stuff, but I just couldn't eat it. So for four days, maybe I should have gone for a week. Didn't eat for four
4: days (laughs) and started smoking
2: just to (laughs) get off the plane.
3: (laughs) (laughs) It's a great hour way if you think, yeah, passionate atmosphere, we're in Athens and this. The other thing
2: is it didn't kick off till about 11 o'clock at night. Yeah. 11 o'clock. The stadium's full and I'm thinking, yeah, that was because of the temperatures, obviously.
4: Yeah.
2: The stadium's full. I think we had to put delay the kick-off because we couldn't get everybody in. <laughs> we're just completely different at the time over there. You know, things have changed. Talking
4: of atmospheres, talking about stadiums, I mean, you must have, you have, and you've refereed in... in Probably atmospheres that weren't great. Yeah. After the game, have you ever needed an escort out of the stadium? Have you ever need an escort to your car just because of people just running about you, maybe threatening and whatever? The,
2: it wasn't too bad in the Premier League because we used to have the buses that used to, what the people carriers say, buses, the people carriers take you into your face, straight out the door. Straight. Front door. Yeah. Are they blacked out windows, by the Yeah, each other? yeah. Right, okay. Yeah, well, they're blacked out for a reason, I think. Uh, but I have had run ins, I think. Um, Sitting grounds, Derby was, I think it was Derby Leeds where I'm going back to the car. I had an escort back, and Leeds fans are giving me a bit of chip, tell me how good I am. You know, and you, you just think to yourself, don't bite, don't bite, just keep walking. They want you to bite and say something so they've got you
3: Obviously, all the refs are you close knit. Has anyone else had any
2: dogs abuse where it's gone over the line? I think there's a guy, remember Graham, was it Graham Paul? It might have been Graham Paul, I don't think it was him, but one referee. Was it a ground where I think it crossed the the line? I think somebody had a real go at him and come up to him and did that, you know, and he was on his own. What are you going to say? You can't say much, can you? No.
4: I'm, I'll be honest with you. I'm probably quite surprised that, especially in the lower leagues, like you said, maybe, yeah. you know, the Premier League, obviously they've got staff there. They can escort you out to your car. You're under protection, fair enough. But the lower down you go, obviously they haven't got them resources. I'm surprised no referee hasn't, and this is probably the wrong thing to say, but been assaulted or being really accosted think, on his way to his car.
2: Do you mean I, he's had a good slap? Yeah. Is that what you said? Yeah. In or I, or think, I think what it is, is you don't, again, it comes to this thing of being, you know, it's, oh, I'm, I'm a man, I can look after myself. But I think it's, it's about being sensible. I used to come off and think, this ain't gone too well. The home fans are not happy. The worst thing I can do is go walking through the home fans with me, a head held high because I'm just a target for somebody. So I used to say to the security, right, we're going to stay next to 10 minutes, let them clear. So there's, they'd always used to be wanted to, just waiting for you. They knew where you come out, they wanted to dig. So you used to have the security just to take you around to your car and get off as soon as you can.
3: Would you like to ref now with VAR and everything? Would it make it easier or harder?
2: Or will it dope yourself? The people, I think the people who are ref now say it's make it easy because they, they, if they make a decision wrong, it's going to be changed.
3: In their ear? Yeah, or they'll say, But it's put
2: right then. So if you were- Or put right. If you give a penalty and it's wrong, they'll say to you, look, go and have a look at this again. I think this is a clear and obvious area. Go and have a look at the, You have changed. It. It's not a penalty. You've got a bit of support then, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. You've, got a back, you've got a catch now, haven't you? And don't forget, though, we look at him now and we still moan, oh, that should have been a penalty. But the referee is not given, It's not clear and obvious. You ain't going to make him change his mind. Yeah, but too many are changing their mind
4: now, Phil. That's the problem I, in my eyes. I, I look at it now, and I think the referees are being undermined now. By far. By far. And, and you look at it, and we still can't... And this is, this is where I think you guys go out with more credit, if I'm honest with you, because you were calling decisions in real time where you've got that split second to make your mind up, and you were, you were making your decisions, whereas now they still can't make their minds up after three or four minutes.
2: OK, I'm going to throw this back on you, John, now. You've just given me some stick. Had VAR been around in I was the actually day. You up there. I know, but I'm just <laughs> giving you some. Now, I'm just trying to, if VAR had been around when I was at Bolton.
4: That would have been a goal. Right. Fair enough.
2: So you'd have gone, and am for VAR on that occasion. But it'd be, sorry, that's goal line technology in it, et cetera. Right. Yep. And I think times are changing and everything's new in it.
4: See, if I stopped you there, I don't think we needed VAR for that decision. I think we <laughs> needed a good set of eyes.
2: <laughs> I think we need a spec savers for me. Uh, yeah, I totally agree. But I think uh, I don't like football for me. You play football on a Saturday, Man United, Liverpool, Chelsea, Tottenham, Bolton. And on a Sunday, I can go and play on the parks pitches and be exactly the same as you were on the Saturday. Yeah. Now I can't. You've got goal line technology. I've got people telling me yes, no, yes, no. And I think in my day, you made a decision knowing that was your decision. Nobody's going to change it. Now, if you make a decision, I think you've got that fail-safe and it must be subconsciously in your mind that if it's wrong, somebody's gonna change it.
4: Which I get, but on the back side of that, you you look at it now, right? So we've gone and we've scored a great goal. Yeah. Right. Now the players stop and pause. Yeah. And they're standing with their arms folded. The crowd are like that, bated breath, waiting to celebrate. And sometimes three, four minutes later, it's a goal. Oh, brilliant. You've lost it. You've lost the, the impact. You've lost the atmosphere. Yeah. It's like, okay, it's a goal. Let's jump back to the halfway point. I, I
2: totally get that, because when it's a goal, you're jumping up it. and down, and then you're going... Hey, "In a minute." But then when they get the goal, you just go, yeah, okay. We've just, I've had my celebration five minutes ago. I
4: mean, I want to go mental. I want to go crazy, celebrate the goal. We're running round. But <laughs> when they
2: disallow it, it makes you look an idiot for doing it, because it's not a goal. You yeah, go. but it... John, but
3: would you like the right decision or the wrong decision?
4: But I think that's part and parcel of the game, yeah. William. You you know you're going to get wrong decisions. You're going to get right decisions. You're going to get decisions that are right but weren't right.
3: Yeah, it's okay. that's football. Bar in or out, out. Just like that.
4: Every day of the week, out, gone, finished, beaten. Huh. Bring
3: football back. Phil, are you allowed to answer that? You're still I'm, involved in the game a little bit, aren't we?
2: Yeah, I'm. You sit a, on the fence. I know I never sit on the fence. As a spectator, taking me hat off, I don't want I want a goal and and don't get me wrong, you've got the Premier League and you've got VAR, the further you go down, they haven't got VAR. I like the flowing football, goal's a goal, you know, unless, you know, the assistant gets his flag up, look, there's potential on ball, there you need to give, et cetera. As putting me on as a professional, I'm VAR in, because I think no not matter what I think or what I do, that's always going to be there and only going to... I think years come, I'll have more influence on the game. Where's
4: the consistency coming, though, Phil, on it? Because, I mean, we see lines drawn from way back down the pitch and we're looking up the pitch and we see a line going across and and it seems to be whatever suits the decision. Whereas, Uh, the lines are drawn, some lines aren't drawn, there's an elbow sticking out, there's a finger offside. Do you know what I
2: mean? I mean, for God's sake, where does it stop? Well, I know what you're saying about it. It's difficult because I'm telling you, you can't score with a finger so you can't be offside with a finger. An arm can't be offside because you can't score. Your toenail you can because you can score with your toe. This part of your arm now... Below the like, sleeve. Yeah, below the sleeve. is handball. This isn't. I think so all the time. For me, I'm a simple guy and people say, oh, we know you're simple and I just want to think simple. Bottom line,
4: we go to watch football to see goals. Yes. It's all about goals. It's all about entertainment. Yeah, entertainment it's all about goals, yeah, right? I agree. In my eyes, it was always if it was that much, which we're calling for now, the attacker should get the benefit of the doubt. Benefit they doubt. It goes through. And to it, goal, I think to when, goal, I, when, score, when
2: we, we were on there, the attacker always gets the benefit of doubt. And then when you were level, you were off and And oh, it's changed so much offside in the years. But if you look at it from a business point of view, which football is now, look at the money in the Premier League, then as you come down, It's less and less. So they're looking at it as a business thing as well as a football business. And I'm sure you, Chelsea's, I want the VAR. The Premier League probably love the VAR because they know that they're going to get the right, especially on the offsides, which is fact. The other is opinion.
4: And again, when it's at that level, and you're talking about Champions League, you are talking about tens of millions of pounds. The difference, maybe on one decision. And again, I I get that. I get that. I get the the decision I get the VAR I get all that fair enough but we've lost a lot from football we've lost through that we've lost a lot
2: we have but the younger generation haven't it's what, because, because it's they know, be, it. It. know it it'll become the norm yeah. and it's what they're used to and it, we've got to go with it. unfortunately go with the flow yeah. yeah unfortunately we've got to go with the flow and say like we've got to embrace it and not go yeah. against it what's Phil Doe doing with himself now? now he's retired and playing good golf <sighs> I wouldn't say I'm playing that good. I could do with a bit more golf. I'm still working. I you still played work. all right today. Yeah, I know. I was a bit of luck, I think. I disagree not, with that. are only about seven or eight good shots. When that was it. You put all the babies in if I remember right. Oh, shouldn't mention that, should I really? Um, I'm working for the PGL, which is coaching the referees in the first and second division. I really enjoy that. I go to different grounds. Um, I'm also doing a bit of work for steel Company as a manager, so I am busy all the time. And then whatever jobs the wife gets me to do. There's always unless something she, that you, in the, the house. Unless she hasn't done them already.
3: <laughs> right, we've got a new
2: segment in the show. It's yeah. John's
3: Rapid 15.
4: Not Rapid 11? No, we're going for a Rapid 15 film. Go on then. So I'm going to start you off. Rory McElroy or Tiger Woods?
2: Rory McElroy.
4: The Open or The Masters? The Open. To your coffee? Coffee. Brown or Red Sauce? Brown. London or Manchester? London. Mm. Best golfing holiday destination?
2: Portugal. Favorite golf course played? Probably the Belfry. Lowest round? Par.
3: Mm. 14.
2: What? No, that was one of them games where you know you just go out every day and whatever you hit just happens. Right. I think sorry I tell to lie. I think it wasn't par. I think it was one or two over par, okay. but it felt like a par.
4: Best stadium refting.
2: Best stadium no, I've got to say Port Vale. <coughs> Is that Vale Park? Yeah, Port Vale. Oh, now the best stadium has got to be Wembley. Okay.
4: Ronaldo or Messi? Messi. Lynx Golf or Parkland? Lynx. Favourite car? Range Rover. Old Wembley or New Wembley? New Wembley. Best golfing referee?
2: Uh, Mike Dean.
4: Worst golfing referee?
2: Lee Mason. John it was or that Lee? quick, didn't he? <laughs> John or Liam? Steve.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'm sitting on the fence.
3: Brilliant. I've enjoyed that, Phil. You've been great. A lot better than that Ken.
2: Yeah. He's not bad, is he, that <laughs> Ken? We'll have him on next time. Yeah. He lives around this Donny. next What's Donny.
4: <laughs> oh. Phil, it's been an absolute pleasure, honestly. And I think, you know, as a referee, you do get the rough end of the stick far too often. Uh, I think you've come on today... And hopefully that'll change a lot of people's perceptions on you. You look like a visible bugger at times, but you're actually a funny guy and a good guy, so that'll come across, and you've been fantastic. Thank you. Have you forgiven me yet?
3: I'm forgiving you. Thanks. I'll forgive you. Oh, thanks, mate. Sorted. <laughs> Do you know what I'm thinking, John? We've got Alan Thompson next week. He oh, won't no. forgive you. He scored the first score at the Reebok. He'll forgive me. technically... It was well, it's going to be his yeah. mate now, isn't it? Yeah, he actually, owes you yeah. one, doesn't he? You yeah, no, you'll still think of the money you lost. <laughs> <laughs> no, Phil, you've been great. Uh, thanks a lot. No yeah, problems. Brilliant. Last one, Phil. We always give a little donation to charities,
2: a charity yeah. of your choice. Um, I think, well, as we played at Kong, I think it only be right of oh, 50% there, and then I'd like uh, 50% to
0: Parkinson's. I'm obviously battling that now over the next few years.